Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, the city of Oswego has a haunted history. Although the ghost stories are lesser known, there's no denying the city is one of the most haunted in the entire state of New York. This is episode number 30 of Hometown Ghost Stories, The Many Hauntings of Oswego County, Oswego, New York. Oswego, New York, 1893. Brave Tun Clark picked up his lantern and stepped out into the warm evening air. Dusk in July would occasionally be cool if there was a breeze coming off Lake Ontario, but on this particular evening, there was no breeze. As he began to walk down the road to his neighbor's house, he contemplated the recent events that had the town in a frenzy. Poor Mrs. Hall had died in a tragic accident around Christmas the previous year, and her grief-stricken husband abandoned their home to move in with their son. Recently, neighbors had reported lights on in the house at night despite nobody being inside. Every night, more and more neighbors would show up to observe the phenomenon. The Oswego Daily Times even reported on it. Tun approached his neighbor's front door and walked in without knocking. James! Tun called out. Kitchen! A reply echoed from the other end of the house. Tun walked into the kitchen and greeted his friend James, who was sitting at the table with his wife, Beth, and brother-in-law, Hal. Tun set his lantern down and pulled up a chair. "'We get to the bottom of this haunting business tonight,' he exclaimed. "'You think it's Miss Hall's ghost in there?' James asked. "'Shame what happened to that poor woman,' Beth remarked. "'Hard to believe she didn't see or hear the train coming,' Tun added. "'She was very old,' Beth replied. "'Heard they never found her head,' Hal said. Beth grimaced. Take it easy, Hal, James added, sensing his wife's disgust. Tun stood up. Best get going. If there's a ghost in that house, I'm going to see it with my own eyes. The other two men joined him and headed out the door. The hall's old house was relatively close by, so the men elected to travel on foot. They were mostly silent on the way over. Hal and James lingered back a few paces, but Tun marched confidently ahead. James spoke up as they approached the street. Look, the lights are on. Just like Old Ike said. Old Ike Chesbro lived across from the halls and had been one of the first to notice the strange occurrence. The men hopped the fence and slowly began to approach the house. Dim your lanterns, Tun ordered as they reached the front of the house. He stepped up and peered into the lit living room through the front window. You see anything? Hal asked. James stood next to Tun and looked through as well. The room was empty. Nothing, Tun started, but James cut him off. What's that? he asked. Tun looked back, and Hal stepped up behind them to get a look over their shoulders. A woman in a dress was walking across the living room floor. The men audibly gasped, staggering back as they saw her. Her white dress was filthy and torn, stained with what looked like dried blood, and she was missing her head. I'm Dave Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories. Oswego, New York.
village of Oswego, New York, predates written history. Native Americans lived in the area for thousands of years, possibly dating as far back as 7,000 BC after the retreat of the last glacier. Many different Native American tribes represented different periods of time occupying the area, the final being the Iroquois, and from them, the land was named Oswego, meaning a pouring out place. The period of recorded history began in October of 1615, when the first European, Samuel de Champlain, arrived. The British and Dutch established a settlement at Oswego in 1722 to facilitate fur trade with the Native Americans. During the French and Indian War era, five local forts were built to protect the British supply route from Albany to Oswego. Three of these forts, Forts George, Fort Oswego, and Fort Ontario, were located within the current city limits. Fort Ontario was built in 1755 by the British, but was known as the Fort of the Six Nations at the time. The fort was destroyed only a year later by the French, and was rebuilt in 1759 by the British. It stood another two decades before it was again destroyed, this time by a detachment from the 3rd New York Regiment, after the British abandoned it. The British returned in 1782, and rebuilt it again. December 30th, 1782. Fort Ontario. The commissioned officer looked at the private across his desk. This is a summary court-martial for abandoning your post last night, he said. Explain yourself, soldier, he added. The private gulped and looked down at his feet. I didn't intend to, sir. It's just that I saw something I can't explain, the private explained nervously. You'll find a way to explain unless you want 45 days hard labor, the officer retorted. The private took a deep breath and started. I was at my post. It was dark. Nobody was around. Suddenly, my lantern went out for no reason. Plenty of oil, and there was no breeze, nothing. Just went out. I went to relight it when I heard whistling. It was pitch dark, so I couldn't see who was doing it, but I knew nobody was around. My hands were shaking, trying to relight the lantern, but I just couldn't get it to go. That's when I saw the glowing red lantern light coming towards me. I was relieved at first. Figured it must have been someone coming to relieve me, but I still had six hours left on my watch. The whistling got louder as he got closer, and I could start to see the company uniform. He was one of us. He was about twenty paces away from me by now, and I was about to call out to him when suddenly there was a gust of wind, and he was right in my face. He had no face, just a mouth that opened wide and made a choking noise. I stumbled back and he reached out to me, just making that gasping noise from the black hole that was his mouth. I turned and ran, sir, never looked back. There was a moment of awkward silence. The officer just sat looking at the private in complete disgust. Did you just tell me a ghost story, private? He asked. I don't know what I saw, sir. Sixty days refined to your bunk without pay. Get out of my sight, the officer barked. George Fikes was a British soldier who died at Fort Ontario on November 30th, 1782. Fikes was born about 1755 in Mohawk Valley, the son of Peter Fikes, an Illinois native. During the Revolutionary War, he was first listed as a member of the Tyron County Militia as George Fikes, 2nd Regiment, Captain, Fox's Company. But on August 15th, 1779, he was charged with being a Tory and confined to Albany Jail. On July 22nd, 1780, George Fikes joined the King's Royal Regiment, 2nd Battalion, 84th Regiment. He died at Fort Ontario, presumably from disease, and was buried on November 30th, 1782. During that year, there was a large epidemic of fatal disease that attacked the lungs. 
In death, he is rumored to have become the post-ghost, who appears when the garrison is in trouble, when provoked, or simply to stir up trouble. There have been legends around George Fikes at Fort Ontario for centuries. Many centuries over the years have reported interactions with Fikes, one of which was frightened so much that he ran away from his post and was court-martialed for doing so. Fikes is said to walk the ramparts and ground at night with a red lantern. People have reported hearing music playing without explanation, seeing a light on and shadowy figure in the window over a door, and observing a cold and dark light-absorbing apparition moving around the rooms of the officer's quarters. Ghost hunts occur annually in hopes that he might make another appearance. The British continued to occupy Fort Ontario through the end of the Revolutionary War and for a full 12 years after. They finally withdrew in 1796 after the signing of Jay's Treaty and settlers from New England and eastern New York immigrated into Oswego. The British returned during the War of 1812 and burnt it down again in 1814. After a period of disuse, the fort was reconstructed in part because of tensions with Great Britain as well as to check smuggling activities between Canada and the United States. During the Civil War, the new construction began at the fort because of fear of British help from Canada to the south. After the Civil War, it held Company F, 42nd Infantry, which consisted of wounded soldiers from the war that had re-enlisted in the U.S. Army. Although the fort remained a military base, the fort itself fell into ruin since funds were used to create more modern quarters outside the fort. When the United States entered World War I in April 1917, the fort was repurposed as a military hospital known as the General Hospital No. 5. The facility was used to train medical personnel before they were posted to France. In 1921, the fort again became an infantry base, initially the 28th Infantry Regiment, and in 1933, the 2nd Brigade of the U.S. 1st Infantry Division called Fort Ontario home until the brigade was deactivated on June 1st, 1940. During this period, some of the historic buildings inside the fort were restored and a golf course was laid on the grassy ramparts. In 1944, FDR and UK Prime Minister Winston Churchill made the decision to open havens for Jewish refugees driven from their homes by the Nazi regime. Britain would open four in the Middle East and the US would open one. In August 1944, the United States opened their haven at Fort Ontario in Oswego, New York. 982 refugees from 18 different countries were transported from Italy to Fort Ontario. Because of their undefined immigrant status, the refugees were not permitted to leave Fort Ontario, even to work or visit family members already settled in the United States. They struggled to create a community within the camp, but close quarters and their uncertain futures made for tense relations. Advocates for the refugees lobbied Congress and the President to allow them to stay in America, and their efforts paid off. In January 1946, the decision was made to allow them to become citizens, and by February, all of the Jewish refugees were able to leave Fort Ontario. Many descendants of the refugees still live in Oswego today. Fort Ontario today is known to be haunted by many spirits, not surprising given the many lives lost over the years. One of the most common stories you'll hear is that a figure wearing a red hat has been seen throughout the site, dating back to the old wars fought here. Hometown Ghost Stories listener Mackenzie Finch wrote in detailing her recent experience at the fort. She noted that the men's dormitory had an inexplicable atmospheric energy that led to an adrenaline rush. She also experienced blurry vision in the dining hall, noted feeling a presence of somebody sitting next to her at the table, and perhaps most unsettling, heard disembodied voices in the underground rifle galleries. Ford employees have spoken about similar experiences. One employee spoke of the ghost of a soldier who died during battle, but sadly has yet to realize he's dead. The spirit is known to wander the halls and has been spotted sitting in the dining hall. 
Just a few miles south of the fort lies County Road 57, which is home to a haunting of its own. June 24th, 1898, County Road 57, Oswego, New York. Mrs. Cooper was fuming. Her husband, William, had come home drunk again and had stumbled into the grandfather clock, knocking it over, waking up their sleeping daughter. This pushed Mrs. Cooper over the edge. The young mother was beyond stress due to her husband's constant drinking and abusive behavior. She began screaming at him to get out, and he shouted back incoherently. She stormed upstairs to tend to the frightened child, but when she came back down, William was standing in the living room with a rifle. She stopped and looked at him. As he raised the rifle and fired it at her, the bullet missed and struck the wall behind her. She rushed back up the stairs and grabbed their six-year-old daughter by the hand and rushed her down the stairs, past William, who was fumbling with the rifle, trying to reload it, and out the front door to the Smedley's house next door. Luckily, Charles Smedley and his wife were home and quickly ushered the duo into the house. Mrs. Cooper was in the middle of trying to explain what happened when William burst through the front door and shot Charles through the right eye. Mrs. Smedley's horrified scream was cut short when William turned the rifle and shot her in the neck. Mrs. Cooper grabbed their daughter and ran through the kitchen toward the back door. William chased them and fired two more shots before turning the gun on himself. The tragedy was reported in the New York Times on June 25, 1898. For over a century since the incident, multiple witnesses state the ghosts of Mrs. Cooper and her daughter appear terrified running down County Road 57 at night. They describe her and the little girl as barefoot, both wearing 19th century nightgowns. Others state she wears a white cap, possibly a nightcap. What they have seen fits the tragic Cooper scene, for his wife and daughter were terrified as they fled for their lives. One witness states, as he was driving along this road, a barefoot woman came out of nowhere and stopped right in front of his car. She was wearing a nightgown and appeared to be in a panic. He watched as this woman ran up on a porch of a nearby house. She then vanished right through the door. He asked his wife, who sat next to him, if she had seen that. She stated that she had not. These sightings are so prolific that people who have never seen this ghost believe in her. In early November of 1926... Ethel Gwynup, born approximately 1905, committed suicide by hanging herself in a barn located in the woods. She lived on nearby Snell Road, and after an alleged confrontation with her husband, she decided to end her life. Gwynup is buried in Mount Adna Cemetery in Fulton, although there is controversy over whether her gravestone is marked with the death year of 1925 or 1926. According to the urban folklore, if one were to park their car at midnight on the train tracks of Gray Road, they may see the ghost of a cab driver or a young woman in a white dress wandering the tracks. Some ghost stories claim that as many as three ghosts may appear, perhaps even in the middle of the road. There are claims of ghostly glowing orbs of the woods as well. Said by some locals to be haunted, the ghost of Gray Road is one of the best-known urban legends of Oswego County, perhaps even more so than the post-ghost of Fort Ontario's post-cemetery. The city of Oswego has a lot of history, good and bad. A lot of the tragedy that's occurred over the years has left behind traces of that history in the form of spirits and hauntings. And although some of these hauntings are lesser known, there's no denying, Oswego, New York, is one of the most haunted cities in the entire state. I'm 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Hometown Ghost Stories, episode number 30. I'm here with Rob Coakley. What's up, Rob? 30 episodes, man. Feels like we just started yesterday. It's been a hell of a ride. We're also here with Dave Wilkins. What's going on, Dave? What's going on, guys? Not too much. Uh, nicely done on the episode. I want to welcome in people that are hanging on the live stream. I see uh, Selchuk is here. FC Traps, welcome. Uh, Stephanie's here, Jamie. So, Mr. Captain McSlugs, the one and only. Uh, Steph- uh, Stephanie, I don't know if I just... I welcomed her twice. She deserves it. And uh, everybody else that's hanging out, we appreciate you guys. But that's uh, Oswego, New York. And uh, a very haunted place with a lot of haunted locations. Some very cool stories, for sure. And obviously, the uh, the fort is uh, one of the more famous locations that's haunted there. Yeah, so that was uh, we got an email from listener Mackenzie Finch, which was pretty cool. She uh, talked about her experience at the fort, and uh, she's from Oswego. So it was cool to be able to tackle a listener uh, request my first time doing so. And that's kind of the, the point of our podcast. What we originally started it for was to have listeners send in their requests, and we could cover it. So this one was cool because I dug into – Fort Ontario, because that's what was requested. And upon doing so, I found so many other hauntings. I talked about a couple of them in the episode that were really interesting. And there's like seven or eight that I left out of it that were also, that I also found. So actually, Oswego, which I thought was, I was, was going to have a hard time finding stuff. Um, I didn't. We could do a part two in the future if we wanted to. There's so much there. So I thought that was pretty and cool. And it's only like a five hour drive for us as well. Uh, yeah, like- I actually looked into taking a ride up there. I was going to go last weekend. And I was like, ah, five hours is just too much for a day trip because you're spending 10 hours on the road. Yeah, then you do five hours back for sure. Uh, Crystal is in the chat. She says, hello from upstate New York. And uh, Fox Crown also showed up. It's a Fox Crown, how are you? And uh, Selchuk said that his wife forced him to put this on TV on time. And I appreciate that. Tell your wife I said thank you and hello. And uh, we like people to be prompt and on time for sure. Uh, Stephanie says that this town is now on her must-go-to list. Yeah, our must-go-to list keeps growing every single week yeah <laughs> so, and it's not getting yeah. any shorter because we keep not going to these places yeah, <laughs> true. i mean we're busy though man we got we got the convention coming up this weekend i'm trying to figure out how to get my episode made in time for next tuesday i will but it's we we just have a lot going on but let's get back into oswego because before like, we do that let's, let's actually go through a few of the formalities because you had mentioned the convention and it is coming up so it's this saturday and sunday right Yes, Saturday and yeah, Sunday. So, so back-to-back days. If you're in the Massachusetts area, we'll be in Quincy on the USS Salem, which is a uh, big old battleship. Very, very cool. I've, on, I've been on the ship a few times. We actually um, actually DJed on the ship. We did a – they do like – they used to do a really cool haunted house where they turn the entire battleship into a haunted house, obviously, during Halloween season. And super cool. That was actually one of the funnest events that I've ever DJed. Our stage was like a zombie head. And it was it was really cool. So we were just DJing out of the top of a zombie head. Very fun event. So we'll be there this Saturday. We'll be there all day. Um, the event and starts. Sunday. Yep, and Sunday. Um, so the event starts in the morning, I believe. Wait, what time do the doors? I believe open? it starts at nine. I just know yeah. we have to be there really early, and I want to cry about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not much of a morning person, but we'll make it happen. So we will have some limited edition um, hometown ghost story swag. We have. Uh, coasters and stickers and t-shirts so we're gonna have some stuff we're gonna have some stuff so you can swing by say hello meet us take pictures with us um tell dave how short he is in person whatever whatever you want to do 
And uh, that's what I do every day of my life. Yeah, we'll post uh, we'll post a link um, to the event and details and everything for that. And if you enjoy the show, please uh, iTunes swing over, leave us a five star review, drop a comment. We'll read it at the end of the show. We got a couple of new ones that we're gonna read at the end here. So with all that out of the way, take it away. Yeah. So Oswego, like Dave said, we got an email about it, and this was our intention with this show. We wanted to cover all types of ghost stories. But we love when listeners send stuff in and we get to go see what they actually have for evidence and their personal stories. And not only just their personal stories, then it like in, it becomes this whole episode of this entire town that we get to go explore. That we I'm gonna be completely honest with you, I've never heard of Oswego, New York until this episode. So it's so cool to like go through and see an entirely new place, even though it's only five hours away from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, never, I never heard of it either. Me neither. So, and I, I was uh, pleasantly surprised with everything. Um, so, the first ghost story that was the opener was the headless ghost, and that was a story that I found in the new the New York da- no the Oswego Daily Times, and the the story was pretty was pretty cool. It was about um, it was the story was actually about a guy named Ike Chesbrough who was a uh, cider he made apple cider and sold it. And he was a neighbor of the house uh, of the Hall's house. So after the wife died and the husband moved out, they would start seeing these lights come on uh, every night, even though the house was empty. Now it's we, it's especially weird because 1893, I am pretty sure the houses were lit with candles back then. Yeah. So, <laughs> so for lights to come on, it's, it's even weirder because you can't really explain candles being lit um, unless somebody's there. So um, people were starting to show up to like to see this every night and more and more people until eventually it was like a big enough deal for the newspaper to write about it. And one of the one of the theories is uh, that Ike is actually behind the lighting of the candles in the house to sell more cider because he was selling a cider to all the people who would show up. (laughs) Uh So um, but it it, there was um, Ton Clark. They called him Brave Ton Clark. That was his. And his nickname, he actually did get a couple of his buddies down and go to go check out the house. And they said they, they slowly crept up. This is in the newspaper article. They, they slowly crept up to the house and they saw the ghost and they ran away from the house a lot faster than they crept up to the house. And Brave Ton Clark was, he had to not be called Brave Ton Clark anymore. <laughs> Just another one of those ironic Just- nicknames. Yeah, he, started, yeah. he started off living up to his name. He's marching right up to the spooky house, right? He's brave. I wonder yeah. if he gave himself that nickname. I wonder, or I wonder if he got that nickname after, and it's almost like, you know, you got a real big right. guy and they call him tiny. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, that's gotta be what it was. I, I like how many headless ghost stories we get in New York. That's fun. Yeah. Cause, um, what's the other one? Ichabod Crane was the headless, yes. headless sleepy, in there. Sleepy hollow. Yeah. Which I've actually driven through that town before. I'd like to spend more time there. I did a like quick little drive through, but I'm sure we'll get into that at a future date. Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, that's near Oswego. No, it's okay. not. But a nice try. I mean, same state, though. Same state, yeah. Hey, people forget that New York is a gigantic state. It's way if it's bigger. Not, if it's not in New York City, it's upstate New York, which they're all the same. Yeah. That's, that's that. Yeah. You're in New York City or you're in upstate New York. Sleepy Hollow is right outside of New York City, though. Oh, is it? I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's but it's called like Terrytown or something like that. Anyways, it doesn't matter. We're talking about Oswego right now and their giant Ninja Star uh, fort that they have. Yeah, oh, that's cool. a cool shape. Really yeah. cool shape for a fort. I don't think it's the only one that's like that. I think there's more than one that has the kind of the five, the five points like that. I could be wrong about that, though. It might be the only one. No, I'm sure that's all based on certain strategy brought up by some sort of architect or something. Yeah, yeah, probably somebody who went to West Point and said this is the best design for a fort. Yeah, he was just an anime fan. Just Ninja Stars and that's yeah. the shape that they went with. The, um, I found it interesting, a little bit different than other forts, was they had like actually just like, there was like three or four houses just in the middle of it built, which looked a little bit different than other forts that I've seen. But pretty cool. Yeah, well, I think it's so the fort kept getting burnt down. And I think the last time it was burnt down, they didn't build it back up as a fort structure. Like they had the outside walls still, but they just built like dormitory buildings and stuff. I, I could be wrong about that, but they, um, I read that the fort was destroyed for the final time and then they rebuilt, the, you know, the buildings inside. And they, you know, because they used it for training and they used it for the, the refugees in World War II. So it wasn't really used as a fort, you know, defensively after the last time it burnt down, which I think was 1814. Yeah, these military installations are a lot like the asylums we talk about. Now, they are not completely like all negative experiences, but there's got to be a ton of negative experiences. A ton of people that were there that didn't want to be there in general, you know, uh then you go to, even if they didn't have something bad happen there, they probably spent a lot of time there being soldiers stationed there. So you get that residual haunting energy as well. Uh, so that's why I think like places like that where you don't think of it, but like almost every fort that you come across is like, there's at least one ghost story attached to it. Yeah. And it's going to have, you know, the, even though there weren't battles fought in the later wars, there were, there was a lot during 1812, the war of 1812, there was a lot during the revolutionary war and it was like, it was attacked and destroyed numerous times. So there had to have been a lot of lot lost lives there, which, you know, you get that. And it's actually very close to the lake, which, you know, large bodies of water with all the energy, right. To stir up some, stir up some ghosts. Yeah. And I'm sure all those, like, it's crazy that there was like, almost like a concentration camp sort of deal, not like to the extremes that they experienced in Europe, but to have them come here and just have to sit there, you know, within a community, like a gated community until they're eventually allowed to be us citizens. There must've been some like negative juju there as well. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of, yeah, negative feelings about the yeah. way they were kept there. Um, internment camp, I think is the word. Yeah, definitely um, not gated community. Well, you know, <laughs> I was trying to think of a better word than what, because it, yeah. obviously it wasn't quite Europe, but it's not like you're at a country club either. You no, know? it wasn't. Yeah. You saw the pictures of the barbed wire and whatnot right. along the long lines. It was, it was, I mean, it was good that they were out of, you know, the Dane, you know, out of the Nazi regime. So that was good that they were here, but you know, it still wasn't like ideal, but you know, the lobbyists, they pushed to get them citizenship and it ended up working out for them in the long run. So um, I like to look at that as a positive, I think, even though it was probably not the, mo- the most right. 
but still, the negative experience that could have happened there could lead to residual hauntings. So there's a few others that I don't think you touched on in the episode. So there's supposed to be uh, this building with uh, the ghost of a woman who she stares out of the window. And then there's another one of a small boy who is apparently looking for his cat. So I don't know if that's a ghost cat. Is this the um, fort? Is that at the fort? Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I remember reading about the lady with the candle. Uh, and I think I did mention her briefly. But the um, the little kid with the cat, I didn't. I didn't hear about. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, sometimes when we come across these ghost stories as well, there's just like a three sentence thing. So that's why we mentioned them in this part of the show, right? Because like trying to fit it into the narrative of the history of the thing, it would be Dave telling you all these facts and then telling you about these ghost stories and just be like, and there's a kid chasing a cat. Yeah, <laughs> the big build up for not a- hard, hard to get David, even with his scary narrator voice, to make that story sound scary. The ghost yeah. of a child looking for his cat. Yes, yeah. so not gonna work. So, there's a lot that we leave out and then fit back into this part where we can talk about it and just say, like, guys, we have no other information on this. All we know is somebody says that they saw the ghost of a child supposedly chasing a cat, and then you're like, well, how do you know he's chasing a cat? Why is it that? Why is it not a dog? And you know, and that's why it's tough to put those in that opening part. Exactly. But here we are talking about little ghost cats. Yes, here we are indeed. I would so like to see whole, some stories tied to it and see what it's all about. Good. There's a bu- bunch of little uh, hauntings in Oswego um, that were kind of like what we just said that were not super detailed on the haunting part. But there was uh, so there's the Oswego Players Incorporated which is a building built in 1903. And they, they say, I mean, all I really got on that is that it's haunted by the spirit of a homeless man who died in the basement. So they have uh, I think it's a theater and they, uh, they have sightings of this, this homeless ghost, which I guess the ghost technically isn't homeless now. Yeah, he lives now, he has, yeah. now he has a home, found a home after all home in death, but that's pretty creepy though. Homeless ghost in the basement. That would scare me. I mean, any ghost in the basement would scare me. It doesn't yeah. matter about his residential status. Basements are inherently <laughs> creepy anyways. So, <laughs> um, I thought that the fort was very cool and all the, the info you got for it was awesome. But I found the road stories to be a little scarier than the fort itself, to be honest with you. So, yeah, the fort was cool to cover because of all the history and there was a ton of history. And um, the hauntings were, I mean, the post ghost was really cool. I thought George Fikes. Um, but one of the things that they say that the employees of the fort say is that all the hauntings are like, none of the ghosts are like negative energy ghosts. They're all, you know, like happy ghosts, not happy, but you know what I mean? Like, like, like yeah. uh, benevolent spirits. So um, still really cool, but yeah, I agree. So you get the, the County road 57 ghost story with the, um, which that was another one that was reported in the New York times. And uh, the the ghosts that are seen along the highway there, very creepy, and very creepy that it ha- they're seen so consistently by people, and they keep all the stories are similar. They see women, a, a woman and a little girl running down the the the, uh, the road and like disappearing into houses, which is pretty much exactly what happened in that yeah, story in the real that, story. That one's great. That one was like the scariest. I was like, I was taken aback by that one when you started telling that one, like the the husband was chasing him down the street and that's the ghost that people see on the street now when 
that's not the normal ghost story you get for these roads, right? Like almost every town has this hitchhiker ghost story. We're going to cover it when we do the Bridgewater Triangle at some point. There's always like this hitchhiking ghost. And this one is different. It's a woman, a child running in nightgowns with bare feet, terrified and disappearing into houses like, that's nightmare fuel if you're driving down that road and that's what you see at, you know, 11 o'clock at night and you just see them both just disappear out of nowhere into yeah, a doorway. Anytime you're driving down like a creepy road, the last thing you want to see is a woman in a white dress <laughs> like, or a nightgown even creepier. You know, like that's just whenever you're whenever you're driving down those and, you know, you can't see more than 30 feet in front of you. you Imagine to see that on the side of the road. I don't know if you remember this, Jesse. I'm sure you do. But we were going, I think we were going to a casino one night and we were following a GPS. And this is years ago before. And you had to like update your GPS if you didn't do it right. And you might get like the wrong, you know, directions. And we started driving somewhere and I'm like, I know this isn't the way to where we're trying to go. And like we end up on this creepy road and it just like, and it just ended. Yeah. Just dead end. It, it was like just, next to the highway. Like the GPS definitely thought we were on the highway right next to us, but it was this creepy side road, all wooded, no street lights. And like, we're like, we mean you were like, dude, this, this is terrifying. This whole place yeah. is terrifying. There was one like unlit house at the end of the road. And then the road just stops. We're like, Oh, screw this shit. Yeah. Imagine if I saw these two ghosts I know. running down this road and just like disappear into the woods or something. I would I would have shit myself in the car. I almost <laughs> did already. Most important detail about this. So this was like one of those old like Garmin GPSs where you could customize them. And <laughs> like you said, like you have to update them like yes. monthly or you're going to end up on a side road that is a dead end apparently. But um, we had customized it to have the voice of Hannibal Lecter reading us oh, directions no. turn yes. right driver yes like he would ra- he would randomly just like, like you'd be following the directions and occasionally he would just chime in with just yeah. a random like murder story yeah like just you'll be driving and just be like and her screams bellowed throughout the house but it's not bothering me You're like shut up Hannibal Lecter I'm scared <laughs> it's like you tell me things I tell you things and now I tell you to turn left <laughs> and we always call you driver Yes, driver. Very sharp right driver. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that added to the absolute terrifyingness of that. But yeah, so what, what what was particularly scary about this is is if you're driving along these roads um, and you see a ghost running, that's scary. But if the ghost is running down the middle of the road at you, that's why oh, yeah. I absolutely <laughs> panic. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I go off the road and I hit a tree or something. That's um, That's something I don't want to deal with. Yeah, so the, to me was the craziest story that you told. There was other ones that I enjoyed within this, but I was like gripped for this one. I'm like, oh man, chills going down my going down my arms during that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, your story got one. like progressively scarier as the episode went on. Like, I didn't find the fort to be particularly scary. Cool that it was haunted, and like you said, it had the history. But then on, the episode got better and better. So nice job on that. That's well, the, the so the fort. What I'll say about the fort is. It really feels like one of the ones that you have to be there to get that element of scared. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we tell some of our ghost stories, like some of the things we talk about sound scarier than the moments that were super scary to us, right? So I think being at that fort, like if you were Mackenzie, right? That's who sent us in this story. Yep. I'm sure she was terrified when she was going through some of that stuff and getting some of that energy and being there. So 
Um, yeah, a lot of what she talked about was like the feelings, like the um, the atmospheric energy and the adrenaline rush and the blurry vision. So that's stuff that's you know, if you put yourself into that situation, that's that's pretty terrifying. Yeah, and the stories don't always translate to how the place feels. You know, we went through this when we were doing um, Alton, Illinois, I believe. Yeah, Alton, Illinois, and the McPike Mansion. Like, you see all these people that go there and they feel all these things, but the the historical story to it doesn't match the feeling. So you don't, so like, if you're not there, you can't feel it. You know what I mean? Right, absolutely. It's a, it's a whole um, element that you're not, that you can't really grasp unless you're there Yeah, in person. And sometimes you just walk into a place and know. Like, I think we talked about this. Actually, I think we talked about this with Jericho when we were doing his podcast. And like we said to him, we're like, you've, you're world traveled. I'm like, do you just walk into places? And he's like, yeah, and I just know. Like, I just, I get a feeling that I don't get in other places when I walk into a certain hotel or a certain bar or something like that. You know, like you just get these feelings when you walk into places sometimes. His his uh, scariest one was the um, what was it, a swamp in New Orleans. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At night, that's pretty scary. Yeah. So I had one actually um, a few years ago where I was actually at uh, my wife's grandmother's her yeah her grandmother's old house. It had since burned down, but they had a really it was a house from the 1600s, and she was like, "The basement is terrifying. I won't go down there." And um, me, who was a, was a skeptic, definitely more so then than I am now. Um, I was like peak skeptic, Dave. There was was like, yeah, show me a ghost. You're full, you're full of it. She's like, all right, come down. So we went downstairs into the basement at this old root cellar, and there's this one particular room off the side that is so incredibly dark, and like uh, the air is like thick. And I walked in there, and I there's just a weird energy in that little area. And I took out the flashlight on my phone and I pointed it into the dark and it just didn't light up at all. It was just like stagnant darkness. And I'm like, get me out, get like the chills. And we got upstairs. She's like, well, how do you explain that? I was like, I just didn't like it down there. It was just gross. Just didn't want to, didn't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was actually, uh, it was actually like a terrifying feeling. And there was yeah. nothing down, like nothing jumped out at me. Nothing. I didn't see anything except for like the weird dark, the weird dark spot that wouldn't light up. Um, other than that, it was just nothing except a feeling. Yeah, I, and I think you can go off of that sometimes. It's unfortunate that the house burnt down because that would have been a good one. I know uh, your wife's been asking about that for a while. Yeah, she wants us to cover it, which we're going to do, but we've just been digging up, trying to dig up history on it, and which yeah. has surprisingly been difficult to find history on this particular house. And the mm-hmm. rest of the house, apparently. You can, definitely can't find the rest of the house. <laughs> keep looking and looking. It's nowhere to be found. So from the original story, the house that was lighting up, which was that the one on Gray Road? Because I'm I've read some speculative stories about the. Uh, the- no, so I, I very, very uh, quickly touched on Gray Road towards the end there because there's different. There was the ghost that on the train tracks, there was a, like the ghost of a taxi cab driver and a little girl. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the hauntings of uh, Gray Road. There was another one, and this is more like local lore. But it's pretty creepy uh, story. So, uh, one of the homes on Gray Road is supposed to be um, is known to light approximately a dozen candles in the windows every season. Now, I don't know if that means that the people that live there are lighting twelve candles, but it's supposed to commemorate the lives of twelve nuns that were murdered many decades many decades ago in a serial murder spree. 
but this is just local legend. As far as I know, there is nothing tied to the history of such a story, but yeah, I, I actually, it's really clearing that one up. I did read that story and it was, um, it's a pretty crazy story, but, um, like, like I said, it's not, it's, it's more like, a, it's more like lore or legend. And there's, mm-hmm. it's weird for that to happen and have no historical documentation. That's why I was kind of like, mm, cool story, but I don't want to, you know, if it's not, if it's not substantiated. Yeah. I figured we could, yeah. uh, we still mention it though. Yeah. The ones I included are all, we're all in newspapers and whatnot from, yeah. Back in- uh, then the other, the other ghost that you had mentioned was the, uh, the woman in the barn who committed suicide, I believe that was early 1900s. Yeah, Ethel Gwynup. So she haunts that area, and there are sightings of her, or allegedly her. Is it in around the barn, or, or where's where's her? Ghost? They say her ghost spotted. is spotted out on the street on uh, Gray Road. Okay, so this Gray Road is Gray Road is very haunted. Road. Yeah, there's a lot mm. of a lot of oh, yeah. So we gotta go drive this road, right? Like we have to. That's like yeah. I think we go. It's a, it's definitely a doable trip. It'll be fun to go and then maybe do a little recap episode. Well, I think we could do the Shanley Hotel. Tie, tie it in with another location. Yep. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I think that's, be fun. that's the game plan for that would be my guess. Um, yeah. I I enjoyed this episode a ton because, like I said, it is – if you're not from the area, who knows Oswego, New York? Like it's just not a place that you've you should theoretically be familiar with unless you're from the area or have family there or something. So I love hearing about these little towns like this. Absolutely. And thank you for the submission, Mackenzie. That was really cool. And uh, I enjoyed covering it. It is very cool. And keep them coming. So if you guys have areas that uh, you want covered, I do have, there is still a couple that listeners did send in that we're plugging away at. Um, So we're going to get to those. And then if you guys have them, you can uh, email us hometown ghost stories at Gmail, or you can send it over on discord if you want to join the discord, obviously it's free to join. You can kind of <clears throat> get updates and, and stay in contact with us there. We are, however you want to do it. We're incorporating a listener story on next week's episode as well. Awesome. Yeah. Where, where are you taking us? I am actually going to do a city, not my, not my normal bag, but we're doing Oklahoma city and this is going to have a listener ghost story in it. It's going to have professional athletes in in this as well. So I'm thinking I'm going to bring in a guest from my other streaming stuff, which is sports stuff, to be part of this stream since we're going to be tying in NBA players to one of the ghost stories. Um, Scary. Yeah, it's <laughs> and it's it's with NBA players you've heard of. I mean, you know Derek Rose, right? You know Ron Artest. Oh yeah. So they there's ghost stories attached to them in Oklahoma City. So um, oh, very cool. That's super yeah. interesting. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about that. There's a few other stories there. One that's really well, the the listener story is pretty freaking creepy to be honest with you. And there's a couple all of them that are real good stories. So Oklahoma City next week. That's are cool. you going to tell the story where Ron Artest marched into the stands and beat up a bunch of fans? <laughs> That's my favorite Ron Artest story. That's what our video is going to be the whole time while I'm telling the story. It's just I'm going to loop that the whole time to distract everybody. From <laughs> What it's do you got? Be, it's just going to be me, the absolute terror that I feel every time Marcus Smart shoots a three-pointer in the playoffs. Just drives me crazy. <laughs> uh, uh, what do you got coming up after that, Jesse? 
I don't know. I don't know. I put a lot of work in this week, so I've been kind of laying low. You know, it was a back-to-back big episode, then the side con into 10 episode. For people who joined us on the Friday the 13th stream, that was a, that was a fun time. So um, I'm not entirely time. sure. Not entirely sure. So I've been working on a couple things, but I'll let you guys know for sure. But this Friday, are we doing um, we're dropping another horror movie review? Yes. Horror movie review. We got The Conjuring 3 and The Devil Inside. And if you're a Patreon member, you should probably have access to that tomorrow. If Very we cool. send if we send Dave right. the video file. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we kept promising him last week that we were like, right, well, I got it. No, Rob's got it. I got it. I got it. You, Anyways, you guys should have seen this text thread. It was great. <laughs> yep. Uh speaking of patrons, uh thanks to Jake V, Stephanie A, Seth, Dave Sucks, W, Captain McSlug, Sarah R for being patrons. Uh if you guys join it into the patron um community, you get early access to episodes as well as other benefits as well. So bonus episodes. Got a couple of bonus episodes that you can only get on Patreon. Yes. Uh, McK- oh, Mackenzie's here. I came to the party so late. That's all right. Um, <laughs> we've been thanking you the entire, t- in the entire time, but yeah, again, thank you for the, uh, yeah, we take them the all request. back since you're late. Yep. <laughs> Go back uh, and uh, watch the episode. How dare you, Mackenzie? <laughs> this video will be up, uh, available to everybody except for Mackenzie. Yeah. <laughs> Blocked. <laughs> no, we appreciate it. We appreciate we it. You drop by. Yeah, yes. for sure. Um, and then, we should uh, touch on some reviews as well. Yes. Do we want to? We we're not going to make Dave read them in any voices this time. But uh, yeah, if you're here on the Friday the Thirteenth episode, we had Dave read the, the listener review in Christopher Walken voice, which yes. is going to be a new perk for ten dollars patrons. So if you guys want more <laughs> of that at your request, we can have Dave read your reviews in Christopher Walken voice. But without further ado, um, we had an updated. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to knock it out, but you can take the updated one and I'll take the other one. Okay, sounds good. Uh, so this update came from Mama. Not our Mama, but another Mama. Uh, so the update says, just keeps getting better. I've listened to and watched all episodes numerous times and went to find a true crime podcast to listen to. And let's just say I was severely disappointed and found nothing as much as I like this podcast. Guys, you need to make it... Uh, you need to just make podcasts covering true crime as well now. It's the only solution I can think of. So that was the update. And um, <laughs> Mackenzie says change his username to Dave Sucks. <laughs> Mackenzie, you'll, you'll have to get the tattoo. Does everyone know? I don't think we've ever talked about the tattoo on this stream. Are we allowed to show our legs on stream? Is that I, think, I think just don't, so. just don't post it to TikTok? <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, me and Jesse actually have Dave Sucks tattoos. We do. Dave yeah, sucks. We're, we're committed to the brand. We're yes. Showing, showing All you right. Ugh. Ugh. There it is. Oh, there it is. Yep, yep, yep. There it is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys are really committed, uh, $20 patrons will pay for the tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give us $20. We'll give you 200 to get a Dave Sucks tattoo. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, for people um, that are audio listeners, we just showed our Dave Sucks tattoos on camera. You go back and check it out on youtube for the first this is the content you miss out on if you're not, if you're not following <laughs> subscribing on youtube we'll work it out for sure uh Anyways. so oh, we have another review right yeah i'll read the other review it okay. says it's from angelica and it says great format i'm always looking for a good paranormal podcast and rarely rarely find an enjoyable one 
I stumbled across this one accidentally. They have a unique format that is incredibly enjoyable and fun. If you like a good ghost story, check it out. So thank you, Angelica. Thank you. OC Angelica. Or it's yes. Okangelica. Okangelica. Uh, <laughs> thank you. I put in the extra effort for you guys. You know, that's, that's what we can, <laughs> it's the least we can do. Yes. All right. Anything else you guys want to touch on here? Uh, no, I think we kind of hit it all. Cool. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. This has been episode number 30 of Hometown Ghost Stories. Uh, thanks so much. We'll see you guys on Friday for a brand new horror movie review. The Conjuring 3 and The Devil Inside. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Very good. All right, cool. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next time.